This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a forgettable Monday evening. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, blowy, snowy, and cold, but hey, hey, did you see the forecast for the weekend? There's hope. There's hope for racing this weekend in Michigan. We'll talk about that coming up, but first, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. They put dirt on Bristol again. We can talk about that till the cows come home. It is what it is. NASCAR take the darn windshields out of those cars. Aside from that, we did crown some winners. How about Ben Rhodes, man? A big old slide job on Carson Hosevar inside 10 laps to go. Feel bad for Hosevar. Man, C-Note was supposed to get a win. Would have been really cool to come on dirt. Uh, he ends up P2 behind Ben Rhodes. And then the Cup Series. Kyle Busch, and he said it himself for all you Kyle Busch haters. He said, I kind of backed into a win there when Chase Briscoe backed into the side of Tyler Reddick in the final stretch of the race and turns three and four on the final lap. Boom, both cars spin sideways. Reddick still almost won that race. He only finished about half a car length behind Kyle Busch when they crossed the line. So that was an interesting way to finish that one. NASCAR, I think, knows they got some things to work on before they head back next year. Carson Macedo went to victory lane at Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55, a rough and tumble race that saw uh, ruts in the racetrack big enough for full humans to lay in. Macedo picks up the win, though, with the World of Outlaws, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars. And finally, Winston Speedway was able to get action underway Friday night. It was not the player-hater Wild West shootout. That was canned. They just had a regular Friday night show. Travis Stemler picked up the win in the Dirt Car UMP Late Models. Gary Vandermark won in IMCA Modifieds. Uh, Pro Late Models was picked up by Troy Marciniak and Robbie Sternberg Street Stocks. Alan Height with Cyber Stocks. Mike Goodwin with the Warriors. And then, of course, Hunter, Hunter Lange, Lang excuse me, in the Young Guns. And we got to give some love to our mini wedges, our next generation. Riley Jones, Addy Wade split the 10 to 14 year old, and Joshua Stafford picked up the 6 to 9 year old division. And that is what's happening in Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. What a show we have lined up for tonight. Oh, man, but I was really, really hoping, praying for Carson on Saturday night. <sighs> I know. All was going back to me is, you know, he always told us well, after I won my truck race, I'm I'm coming back on the show. I you sure are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I thought I thought we had him. Uh huh. I know. I know. And there it goes. So he'll get one. He'll get one this year, I think. Hey, you know what I want to do before we get too far into the show is I want to give a shout out to Metamora, Michigan driver Katie Hettinger. Uh, she made her first career start down at Nashville Fairground Speedway over the weekend and qualified in the redraw. She qualified eighth. 
went up to the redraw, redrew fifth, and uh, I'm not sure if she was just taking it easy to make sure that she brought Michael House's car back in one piece, uh, but she did kind of fall off, ended up finishing just outside the top ten, and uh, that was a pretty treacherous race for her first one. There was a lot of action on the racetrack. She did a nice job keeping that number four machine clean. I thought she did a great job. It looked like to me in three and four, Zach, if you were, you know, I mean, obviously you were watching. She couldn't get that car down to the bottom right. between the patches that they put in there, right? And that was the line from the center out. You would just go below those patches. And she couldn't quite get it down that far, and it kind of left the bottom open. And, and she lost some spots at the beginning. But, boy, I thought she did a great job. That pile up on the backstretch, and she just parked that car. Yeah, yeah she did. <laughs> to a stop and, uh, and to keep herself out of it. I thought that was pretty smart. I thought she did a great job. I did have a chance there. to talk with Chris Hattinger, her dad, and I said, so what's the deal with this? Is this a one-off thing? And he goes, this was before qualifying. He goes, we're just going to see how tonight goes. <laughs> so, hey, she brought the car home in one piece, and uh, so maybe we'll get to see her do more pro late model racing in Nashville. Who knows? Right. Well, that wasn't the only race <clears throat> I watched this weekend, Zach. Uh, the Kyle Larson Presents Flow Racing Late Model Challenge kicked off a big weekend of racing on Saturday, and Mike Marler led all 50 laps to pocket the $20,000 prize. Uh, the race was held down at Volunteer Speedway in Bulls Gap, Tennessee, and delivered a great evening of entertainment uh, for the fans and the largest attendance in the track's 20 years. Uh, Marler started on the pole, and while Jimmy Owens, Jonathan Davenport, Scott Bloomquist threatened for the lead, at most times Marler held a multiple car length advantage throughout the event. Larson himself threatened as well, but near the end of the event, he had dropped back into the fourth position. Davenport tried to use the high side to his advantage for most of the night, but was simply unable to make it all the way to the front. Owens, Bloomquist, Larson, and Davenport would complete the top five, and Marler also took his shot at a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series ride on Saturday as well, Zach, on the dirt, bringing home a 17th place finish. Not bad for Mike Marler. And in other dirt lane model action, Josh Rice overtook Bobby Pierce on lap 19 and held off a late race charge by Pierce to capture Saturday's 46th annual Spring Fling 50 at Florence Speedway. The Verona Kentucky driver picked up $10,000 in grabbing his first ever win in the event. And Chris Smokey Madden led wire to wire on Saturday at Taswell Speedway, grabbing a $21,000 payday in the second annual Little Bill Corum Memorial. The event was co-sanctioned by the Schaefer's Oil, Oil Spring National Series and the Ironman Late Model Series. Ricky Weiss and Dale McDowell would complete the podium. So, Zach, a lot of good racing had to be had this weekend down in Tennessee and Kentucky. And I just because of how the features ran, I was able to catch all of them. How about that? Really? Unbelievable. <laughs> wow, your luck played out pretty good. Uh, speaking of good features that played out over the weekend, I want to give some love back to my uh, Champion Racing Association friends. They were back at Anderson Speedway over the weekend, and Jeff Markham put on a show. Did you see this? Three wide, two through th turns three and four for the win at Anderson. Are you comprehending what I'm saying? Three wide at Anderson. Holy three smokes. Cars, three, cars fit, cars, three cars can fit in the corner at Anderson? I didn't think it was possible either, either but Jeff Markham made it happen. He took uh, Crabtree uh, as well as one other car that was sandwiched in the middle. Uh, three wide coming out of turn number four, and uh, Jeff Markham picked up the win. Of course, Markham is a standalone talent at Anderson Speedway and with the CRA Late Model Sportsman Division. So he picked up the win there. And then it was a uh, dominating performance as well 
for uh, uh, the winner of the CRA Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks Division. Uh, that was Josh Poor. He scored his 49th career street stock win at Anderson Speedway uh, on Saturday. So nice job by those drivers. And uh, looking forward to heading to Salem on Sunday with the ARCA CRA Super Series and the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour. Uh, that's going to be a really good event as well. Awesome. And, and around here, Zach, it wasn't the warmest of weekends, uh-huh. I guess we should say, uh, as Attica Raceway Park was finally able to kick off their 2022 season. Uh, but it was all sunshine at the home of Ohio's Finest Racing as Tyler Courtney swept the core in Maine Spring Nationals, nabbing a pair of $6,000 paydays on Friday and Saturday night. Courtney, the 2021 All-Star Champion, and simultaneously earning Rookie of the Year honors for his impressive feat, led the final 11 circuits of the Attica opener on Friday, outdueling fellow full-timer Justin Peck in an all-out slider slugfest between laps 28 and 30. The Indianapolis, Indiana native uh, has now won an All-Star Circuit of Champions event in nine different states, Zach. Greg Wilson and Craig Mintz would complete the podium on night one. And then... Courtney led all 30 circuits of the weekend finale on Saturday, surviving a pair of red flag stoppages, as well as numerous waves of heavy lap traffic to secure the 11th Tezos uh, All-Star Circuit of Champions victory of his young career. Zeb Wise and Cole Duncan would complete the podium. Courtney becomes only the second driver in the history of the Attica Spring Nationals to accomplish the weekend sweep sack. I know that it's going to be coming up later on in our upcoming calendar. But, Rich France, we have racing scheduled again for this weekend uh, in the state of Michigan. Specifically, now i got to tell you, I love Champion Racing Association. I love Nashville Fairground Speedway. I love my template late model friends. Rich, Friday, I-96 Speedway, Great Lakes Super Sprint, scheduled to get back in it. I'm ready for dirt in my beer again. Come on with it now. I have been missing the dirt track racing. Man, oh, man. Well, we were getting closer this weekend, right? We got Attica and Winston in, right? That's right. So we're just going between them, right? Come on and, now. Yeah. Come on and now. Te- I mean, temperature's looking pretty good. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to see. We're gonna leave it at that. I'm not gonna jinx. Don't this. say anything. But Mother Nature temp- knows what she but needs to do. But the temperatures look very suitable for racing this weekend. Even though I have three inches of snow in my backyard right now, <laughs> I know. Yes, it's crazy. So yes, uh, gr- I, I am. I am very optimistic. This will be gone, and everything will be race ready by Friday night. Great Lakes Super Sprints presented by Engine Pro and ARP kick off the 2022 season at I-96 Speedway with the Icebreaker. Uh, this is coming up this Friday. Great Lakes Super Sprints ready to go, and it's actually a doubleheader weekend as well. They'll make the short drive to the uh, Northwest ish from there to Crystal Motor Speedway on Saturday night for a doubleheader. It looks a little better, I'll be honest, for Saturday than it does for Friday, uh, but we'll see what happens there as uh, Rich is going to pray to the Mother Nature gods and see what he can accomplish there. And then, following weekend, Wayne County Speedway down in Orville, Ohio, will welcome in the Great Lakes Super Sprints uh, before they take a little bit of a break before they head into May and really start rolling. So, Great Lakes Super Sprints are back, and by the way, while I'm talking to you about Great Lakes Super Sprints, haven't been given clearance to talk about it yet, but Great Lakes Super Sprints making some moves here in 2022. We hope to talk to Barry Marlowe about that very soon. And Zach, I got to ask you, you know, everybody's been waiting for this to start because of two big reasons. We got a couple of big drivers making some moves this winter. Uh, Ryan Rule, 
driving uh, in, in a different car after his championship season in 2021. And Max Stambaugh jumping in the 71H. Man, two of the top drivers on, along with others, I mean, we don't even have to name the rest, but but there's just the top two that I, I think everybody's waiting to see how they perform out of the gate. Yeah, and, you know, it was kind of a tough weekend. You mentioned Attica, and uh, Max went down there and ran with his new team, Smith Motorsports. First thing he did in qualifying was back it in the fence. Uh, so <clears throat> they're already going over some hurdles together, which I think will help them grow as a team. Uh, you know, those guys are pretty level-headed, and I think that'll help them grow as a team. Uh, as for Ryan, I think they're waiting for this event to come out with, with Mackey Motorsports. Uh, the one team that I didn't hear anything from over the weekend was Zane DeVault and that Nefco sponsored ride that's another pairing that intrigues me because we know zane is a hot young shoe but he doesn't really get a ride very consistently he doesn't get to stay in a car long uh so i'm intrigued to see how that one folds out as well i-96 speedway it's anybody's bag you know that brad we saw brad lamberson pick up his first career win there uh last year at i-96 we've seen ryan rule dominate there but he's no longer in the smith motorsports car we've seen max stambaugh dominate there he's no longer in uh, the equipment that he's used to being in Phil Gressman's run great there. Phil Gressman's run great there. I think it's anybody's yep. bag. I'd love, you know, who I'd love to see. It's not his racetrack. It's not his type of track. But I would love to see the bulldog go to victory lane. Greg Dahlman. I'd like to see him get it done on Friday. We can't have. We, you know what? The problem is with this Zach is they're all our friends. I know. And we can't <laughs> and, and, and we can't root for all of them. We, we can root for all of them, but we can't say we we can't start saying, "Oh, this is who I think is going to win." Uh, I want to see a show. That's right. That, and, and you know and Really, most of the time we've been with the Great Lakes Super Sprints. We see just a about show. everywhere we've gone. <laughs> you see a show. That's right. And uh, and a show next this Friday night is good after the long winter we've had. Just a show. Yep. I don't care who wins. Just let's have a great show, and I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to that, too. Friday night, I-96 Speedway. More details available at GreatLakesSuperSprints.com or find the Great Lakes Super Sprints on Facebook. Time to roll into our first interview tonight in Rich France. It's time to welcome in one of the sport's young guns. We've been waiting for kind of the right opportunity to bring this guy on. We've been watching him for a couple of years, and the time is now. Yeah, Zach, uh, I met him earlier last year when they had two clashes at Kalamazoo. Um, had a chance to talk to him for a little bit, and he was just getting started last year. I believe he uh, about around nine wins or so uh, over four or five different racetracks. Um, we'll talk to him about that and some new some cool stuff he's going to do here in 2022. Uh, we'll get into all that tonight. Uh, Brock Gannis, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for having me. Man, let's go back to last year first before we get into what's going on this year. Um, man, you started out, it seems like you don't like to stay at the same track and, and run for points all the time. You like to go around because you picked up quite a few wins last year at several different racetracks. Talk about that. Yeah, so that that was kind of my dad's ideology, and I really appreciate that he did that because his he always told me from day one is he said you can do whatever you want in racing, but the only thing I really got to say is points racing takes the fun out of it because he says that if you points race, you have to be at the track every single weekend. He says you don't want to handicap yourself to that, and last year that really really showed me because like every weekend it was like. We'd race, then Sunday came, and it was always him texting me, where, where are we racing this weekend? Like, <laughs> we went to so many tracks last year. I mean, I went to Kalamazoo, Galesburg, Mottville, M40, uh, Springport. Um, I believe that was it for last year, but. 
I, and not only was it a lot of fun just go different tracks, I feel like I learned and um, it just made me better as a driver because I had to adapt to so many different other tracks. And I like, they're all different. They're all 110% different. And I feel like that's a big deal for a driver to be able to go to all these tracks and not only run good, but get wins. Like the only track I didn't win at last year was Galesburg. And man, I wanted to win there. It's just a different beast over there. I love a race car driver, by the way, who keeps his own stats, nine feature wins, four different tracks, 12 quick times, two track records in 2021 that's according to a post by you at the end of the year and uh before rich and i went on with the show he rich goes you know your facebook promotion earlier you made it sound like this kid's been racing for years and i said well he has hasn't he we've been talking about him forever uh but (laughs) it's just because you do you go to these racetracks and you just you do so well uh we see your name I mean, if it's a street stock race on pavement and Brock Gannis is there, it's kind of like your dad with an outlaw car. We just kind of wonder, okay, who's going to finish second? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not always that case. I think, uh, then again, like, I go back and look, like, I don't know, it's just something I've done from the start when I started racing. Last year was only my second year, so I like to keep my stats and, like, I keep a stat of where I qualified and where I finished. To me, those are those are pretty big, two big stats there. But, like, last year, it was just, I mean, just going to different tracks was kind of cool to see where my strong tracks were and where my not-so-strong tracks are. And, obviously, Galesburg is one of those tracks where it's it's tough. It's just, it's tough, that's for sure. Does it feel your fire to go back there, knowing that that's the place you struggle? Does it feel your fire to go back there, knowing that's where you struggle? Um, It it does. Like, it, it just, I don't know. Like, I think, like, it pairs, like, it sits inside of me and it's like god i didn't win there like it kicks me off like <laughs> at, at start last year like my goal was five wins and uh honestly like i think we're halfway through the season and i already had five and i was like all right the only track i have one at is galesburg so that was like my next goal was like man and i went there four or five times and i think we were fast time every time started deep in the pack and just it's hard there man like they're, they're normal nights. They're 30 lap features, I believe, on their normal night. I only finished, like, I only could get up to, like, fifth or sixth, and that was like, God dang it, I need one of these long ones. Then we had a 50-lapper, and still, like, I got into fourth on lap 48 and ran my fastest lap on lap 48. It was, it was like, come on, man. Like, it's just – it's a big disappointment when I don't do good there, but it makes me want to go back and win. Now you're only 20 years old, from what I understand. Still, um, yep. And and I think it was in 2020 was the first time you jumped in that car for Chris and Adam Terry, right? And with the Duco Performance guys. Yep, 2020 was my first year. Yep. So what did you do before that? Was that your first ride, or were you doing were you doing other things in racing? Well, actually, not a lot of people know, but like I, I think it was back in. When my dad was raced for Brian Short, Jimmy Brown, sadly, he passed away this year. He was, he was one of my big sponsors, too. He had I drove a front-wheel drive car for two races, I think, and it was just one of those deals of, like, you know what, maybe it's not for me. Like, I I mean, I had fun, but it was like, I'm still in school and everything, so I, I, I don't know how old I was, but I hadn't been in middle school yet. So, it's like, you know what, dad's like, we'll just wait. And then 
we we've been setting up Adam Terry's cars there for a while and it came to championship night and that week we had set his car up and dad was planning on racing at Kalamazoo and Adam was racing for a championship there was a four car battle within like I think it was like 18 points four cars it was crazy so we all went there and Adam was fortunate enough that he won the championship by a I think by a couple points and dad ended up winning the feature. And I I cannot remember if it was during that week at the shop when Chris was over, or if it was that night at the racetrack, Chris asked my dad if I'd be interested in driving for him. And of course we're like, yep. And then, but Chris mentioned me getting in a front wheel drive. And I think dad kind of looked at me and I'll kind of gave him look like, uh, I don't know about that. So dad stuck up for me and goes, man, I don't know if he really wants to do that. He goes, well, I have a street stock. And that was right then. We were like, yep, that's what we want to do and everything. So that's kind of how that came aboard. And then that winter, we all got together. Didn't really do much to street stock because it was just a feeling out process. And I remember at the start of it, I was like, you know what? I just want to do like a four race deal. Like we'll do four races. If I don't like it, no big deal. And we'll give it back. Well, four races turned into, I think we've ran 40 together already in two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's no, no give backs at this point, right? No, he's stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> talk, about what no, that, talk about what that relationship I'm, has been like, because obviously through Duco Performance and everything he's got going on, uh, there's a lot of outlaw late model technology. And again, as Rich teased, we're going to get to that. I think a lot of people are waiting to talk about that, but I want to get there. Uh, there's a lot of outlaw late model technology floating around that shop. How long did it take you guys to, to mesh and, and get good and, and go out there and really, you know, uh, fi- find the chemistry with you guys? Well, I think it's always kind of been there from the start. So the street stock Chris got me, I mean, it, it was a little outdated. Like, it was almost a pure stock when I was racing it. So we, uh, we, raced, we raced it at M40 in 2020, and then at the, at the end of the year, it was the first time Dad told me that, I was better than the car. And that's when we decided we needed to update the car to new standards. And we updated the car to new standards and it turned out to be pretty good showing the result of 2021. So that chemistry, I'd say it's always been there. It was just a matter of getting the right equipment. Like, cause we were still, we just wanted to do like a four race deal at the start of 2020 and it turned into what we are doing now. So let's get into now what you are doing. Now, it was announced uh, not long ago, I think just last month, you are going to now jump in uh, a second late model for Duco Performance. Um, Tell me how that went down, because I think that's a pretty cool deal. Well, that kind of went down when, from what I understand, is that Reveal a Hammer guys had called Adam asking him to because they know Adam's got two cars and they asked him if he'd put another car in the running and he said, yep. So it came down to him picking a driver and I just, I just happened to be that driver. I got fortunate enough to where Adam wanted to trust me and put me in one of his race cars. So talk to me about, is it just, is it just to reveal the hammer? Are you going to enter some of their shows? But I'm assuming you're going to go ahead and run the grand slam down at Plymouth, right? Um, as of right now, it's only the re- reveal the hammer series. But the thing is that not a lot of people know is there is another car in that is new to me. 
we actually have put together a late model sportsman that I'll be running probably the most out of any car right now. There it is. <laughs> I feel, yep. I, there's got to yep. be something else that's filling the schedule for this guy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's that's going to be a, the big one this year. I I'm, have high hopes for this car. That was brought up before that law, and we just kind of, I don't know, I feel like I didn't know when the time was right, and now that we're getting really close to race season, this car is about ready to rip, and I plan on bringing it out. There's a 5,000-win show at Galesburg, so if all stars align, maybe I get my first one at Galesburg. Now, is that another sportsman in addition to the one that your dad has been driving? Yes, sir. It's a brand-new car to us. It's not a brand new car, but it's new to brand new to us. Zach, it seems like when if we're going to go into any racetracks to find Gannis, we're going to have to figure out what end of the pit area to go hang out, Kat, because we don't know if it's going to be in an outlaw, if it's going to be in a sportsman, or if it's going to be in a street stock. Well, and that's what I was going to say, too, is, you know, uh, Brock, you found such great success in the street stock in such a short period of time, uh, but your dad has been always so successful in a modified or in an outlaw car. Um, are you nervous at all about the learning curve going to a late model sportsman and an outlaw? I mean, those two cars, first off, very different from themselves. Late model sportsman, probably some similarities to the street stocks, air quotes, that you've been running over the last couple of years. But uh, what about that learning curve? you nervous at all about that? Actually, it's going to be a completely new learning curve because in a lot of ways now that the late model sportsman is a lot alike with outlaw, like setup-wise, because it's all – it's all coilovers. We're in street stock. It's all, it's all like five and a half conventional springs. So it's it's total different learning curve for me. Are you doing so, your own setups, or are you uh, relying on the shop for that? Um, on my street stock, I am one hundred percent the maintenance guy. Like I maintenance the car. I set the car up every week. But when, coming to the sportsman, I'm really going to rely on dad and learning from dad. Cause he kind of showed me the ropes with the street stock kind of got us close. And then from there, him and I both learned cause dad hadn't run, ran a street stock and who knows how long. So it was right. kind of a brand new learning for us, but obviously we adapted quickly and got it right. So he's going to be a big part of my racing program this year with the sportsman in outlaw. Are you excited about that? Uh, getting to, you know, kind of, follow in some footsteps there or uh, talk about those emotions you gonna race against your dad at all oh i'm sure we'll be racing against each other <laughs> um it'd be more so in the sportsman car because he's got he's his outlaw program changed a little bit we've been going through some motor trouble and he's kind of taken his own role as a car owner so it's been a big step for him and right now obviously tire prices and oh, fuel yeah. prices are of insane so but. i was gonna yeah i was gonna say brock it seems like <clears throat> and i don't know it's just you know because of because of covid where kalamazoo never opened and other some other tracks never open <clears throat> but it um seems like we haven't seen a lot of your dad the last couple of years yeah and it's, it's more so the fact that he has become his own car owner he's he's doing a lot of stuff which not a lot of people know is he, he's, it's been tough on him, like, to have a car owner for so long and then to have to do it himself with, like, the amount of race cars we have. We have a lot of race cars, first off. Mm -hmm. And when, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, it'll be pretty cool to follow in his footsteps. But I just hope I can live up to it. And, you know, <laughs> you're still so young. That's the thing that blows me away is how young you are. And now you're getting these opportunities. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to be running your own stuff with the late model sportsman or not really your own stuff, but you're going to be doing your own thing with that late model sportsman. Um, is the pressure going to be different now just knowing that you only have these half a dozen races or so to see what you can do with the outlaw car or is it only a half a dozen races because everyone is well aware okay we're going to just need some time to turn some laps get some seat time and we're not looking to go out there and blow anybody's doors off what are the expectations in the outlaw we haven't really discussed like my own expectations is i want to be out there every single lap because but also a big thing I learned my first year is I was a little rough. And <laughs> how, how do you mean that? Like you were rough on equipment, you were rough on other drivers. How do you mean that? I was kind of rough on equipment. Like I, I wasn't quite sure. Like I just kind of drove the car in the corner out for the best. Like, <laughs> like, Oh, I think I'm there. Oh, we'll see. And then soon enough, I'm in the pits with a ram, a flat tire. Sure. And they're changing that right there is not getting me better in the pits and i had to learn that my first year and that this year i was pretty proud i only had two dnf and pretty much both of them were mechanical something you can't really control sure and that's that's what i'm hoping for with this outlaw deal is to complete all the laps i can because that's the only way you're going to learn every bit you can you know and if you you got to figure, Brock, um, you know you're going to be running <clears throat> against some pretty good competition um, in that reveal the hammer series um, for those events. You know, Steve Needles won it last year, uh, of course. Adam Terry, and 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 the list goes on and on. Um, you can learn a lot from these guys by standing on the racetrack, racetrack, can't you? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you got Stevie, you got Tyler Rorg, Jr. Rorg, Adam Terry, you got the Bozells. I think the Bozells ran, so I'm not sure, but. Yeah, I think all these outlaw guys that can show up at any race that you don't like, they can just show up. They don't have to say they're coming. They just show up. <laughs> just awesome. Like, just great talent. Tell me about uh, the notebook and putting that notebook together with some of these other drivers you're going to be running against. Uh, do you just flat out ask, hey, what are you doing here? Do you tuck in line on the racetrack, see what they're doing? I, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you plan to go about that? Man... I got my dad. My dad's been to all these tracks, and except Anderson. Anderson's going to be a little bit of a different beast, but my dad's been fortunate enough. He's one at Dixie, known as Birch Run. He's been to Berlin. He's, I mean, I don't want to say he dominated at Lorraine, but he kind of dominated at Lorraine every time we went there. Sure. So I'm going to rely on But then I also got Tyler Org, and I mean, Tyler Org's been a big part of my racing too, like, I've had dad and Tyler right in my ear the whole time. And I mean, that to me is the biggest deal. Like both of them guys can share their own input and I put it together or just combine it. Cause they all kind of say the same thing. And I've learned a lot from both of them. Do you feel, I got to ask you, do you, Brock, do you feel um, any pressure? Um, you know, with, I mean, you know, the history of those, that they've won races everywhere, right? Your dad's won championships. Tyler's won everything there is to win multiple times. Um, do you feel any pressure from them or are they kind of taking their time with you, letting you grow at your own pace? I feel they're letting me grow at my own pace. My dad's not pushing me like from day one. He didn't be like, he wasn't pushing me like, Oh, you have to win. Like, it's like, we're going to go figure this stuff out together. 
and eventually we did. Then once you start winning, it's not really him putting it on you. Like we need to go win. It actually turns into yourself. Like at first I was like, Oh, that was fun. I ran second. And then last year I started winning and then I got second. I was like, no, not good. <laughs> this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, it, what's got what's got to feel pretty good to you though is um, a lot of people now know you as Brock Gannis, not Jeff Gannis's son, and that's got to be a pretty good compliment for you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, go to the racetrack, and then like, not only do they they know me as Brock, but like, I just kind of I think I kind of got a cool nickname last year as Kid Comet. My dad's known as Constant Comet. And then I got the nickname Kid Comet. I thought that was kind of cool. That is kind of cool, man. Uh, all right, so you've got that deal going on. you got Late Model Sportsman going on. Uh, talk to me when we're going to see you hit the racetrack. Uh, I mean, are you still going to do the street stock stuff too? I mean, what what does what your schedule look like this year? So, actually, I'm kick-starting the season this Saturday at Kalamazoo in the street stock. It's a big – I think it's called the Ziggler Special at Kalamazoo Street Stock Special. Sure. It's like 2000 2000- be a pretty cool show to kick off the season right. um that'll be the street stock and then the second week of the season is going to be the 5,000 win at galesburg then the week after that is an outlaw at um first run so it's going to be all three cars first three races nice. every every car different nice yeah so, there's the the, the ziggler cool. street stock <laughs> special uh coming up this weekend at kalamazoo racing at six o'clock gates open at one um and man that is that is cool you're gonna knock the the three horns right off uh the first three weeks that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty pretty crazy probably at the start of the season brock I mean, where, where can folks follow along with what you got going on Usually they can keep up to date on our Facebook page, Gainus Racing on uh, Facebook. We try to do a decent job of posting the week of when we have a race or a couple days before the race. All right, man. Cool. Well, hey, uh, Brock Gannis, uh, you know, I, I, if you're like me, you thought this kid's been going at it for a while. Nope, year three, and now we're jumping up to an outlaw and a late model sportsman. So, uh, man, good luck this year. I know we're going to see you at a racetrack somewhere along the lines. So uh, have some fun with it. Thank you. In between interviews here, I want to say uh, thanks again to Brock for uh, making some time for us. Watch for that guy. Uh, man, already coming up this weekend at Kalamazoo Speedway. But right now, it's time to talk a little history, Rich France. It's time for Gary Did You Know. Hey, how you doing? Uh, back with us again this week for Quiz 13, I believe it is. Now, is that yes, right, it, Gary? Yes, Lindo? it is. Lucky number 13. How about it? You know, it is pretty amazing I'm going, you know, going through this, and all of a sudden I'm going, man, that time just flies. Man, good now, stuff. Now, Gary, I kind of – like that three weeks went boom, where, where to go, you I know. know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, Gary, you always send me the questions so I can kind of review them and, and, and check them out, and I think you're giving them a chance this week. I think you went a little bit easy on the on the fans. I, I thought I did. <clears throat> I really, I really, and truly do. Well, you know, maybe maybe for some of them, but this this young whippersnapper here is still scratching his head. <laughs> well, you know, if they if you would have been paying attention for some of those quiz questions and some of the things that's happened, you know, with the history that goes on on Facebook, if you're on different sites or whatever like that, um, you can find all these answers. They're there. Oh, basically. Man. 
I think did he just oh, did he yeah. did he just call out our friend uh, our friend that we met at the bowling tournament? Brad, Brad Bergeron. Brad, right? Brad. I think that Gary's calling you out, man. You should be able to get this quiz. This is the one. <laughs> All right, Gary. Let's start out. Question number one, sir. Okay. Question number one. Purdy Deuce, the Honker, and the Flintstone Flyer were all names of what kind of race car? I knew this. And one. I always Just... thought it was kind of neat back uh, back in the day and uh, doing everything that a lot of those uh, race cars from different eras were all named. And it was kind of cool. I knew this one because I knew what kind of car one of them was. So the other two had yep. to be the same. So that's pretty all I, much. That's, I didn't have to know all three. I just had to know one of them, right? And that's pretty much all you have to do is know one. All right. Uh, Gary, question number two. Question number two. This late model driver was famous for always saying, let's invert them all. Had to be a hyzer because we always got stuck at the back. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that was. <laughs> but, um, and uh, he was an interesting guy to be around, that's for sure. Yeah, and you got you got a little bit of a hint. You got to spend some time around this guy too, Gary. Oh, without a doubt. There All ain't right. no doubt about it. All right, Gary, question number three. And I've heard of this question. gentleman. Yes. Who holds the record for most feature wins at the defunct Jackson Motor Speedway. And I actually, I have heard of this name as well. I wouldn't have been able to come up with the answer, but I do recognize the name. Gary, do you know how oh, many sh- wins he had? Do you have uh, an idea? I'm not. Uh, it, it, I think it, it's in the 30s. All right. Okay. Cool. All right. I'll leave it at that. All right. Cool. And that's for this, sure. This one I liked. We're not. We're not gonna. <laughs> Don't give it away too easy. <laughs> Don't give it away too easy. But go ahead. Question number four. I like this one. Okay. And and just like we've done a little bit. Okay. This is a little play on words here. A lot of drivers gave this now defunct track a shot. Ha. 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 You know, when you get the answer to that, you go groan. Really? <laughs> This week's quiz comes with its own bad dad joke. <laughs> yeah, it does, don't it? Hey, Gary, I got to ask you why we got why. What? Thank you for the quiz, by the way, this month. I, but I got to ask you, uh, the news came out, and uh, I'm you seem to get the news before everybody else. But I want to know what you think. Um, April fifth, I mean May fifteenth, we have Ken Schrader coming back to drive a school bus at Toledo Speedway, and yeah, then that's on the cool. and then on the fourteenth on Saturday. He's going to be in a street stock at Flat Rock Speedway. What do you think of that? Well, I think that is really neat. And there's a, there's been some times I think he's jumped into race cars. But uh, as you well know, Rich, that hot rod that he's going to jump into, which I believe is uh, uh, Robbie Moore's 82 car, that's a fast hot rod. So they're putting him into a great car. Well, Rob Moore Senior's car. <laughs> oh, okay, Rob Moore Senior's car. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the that's I believe that's the one he's going to drive. I don't think he's going to drive Robbie's car. His the son. Oh, but you know the, what? Robbie would be in the points deal. You're right. It's Senior's car. Yeah. However, they're a, both good cars. 
Yeah, and and I've raced against that's that. That's a great hot rod a, too. That's a, yeah, it's not like it's a field filler, is it? He, uh, Ken no, Schrader, it's not. Ken Schrader can do some damage in that race car. That'll be fun to watch that night. You know what? That will be. And and, and, and as you know, Rich, Ken Schrader is a lot of fun to be around too. He's a good guy, and he's gonna. I, you know, once he got that school bus race going on, I mean, he he wants to. After he did the first one, see, he wants to come back and wreck people now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. He goes, you know, he that's what he said. He goes, I know the way these guys drive now. I get it. Okay. Now he's so, ready to go. That's that's awesome. Well, he's ready to go, and it'll be a lot of fun. So, all right, Gary, we appreciate the quiz, my man. Thank you so much. And uh, again, folks, uh, look for the graphic to go on our Facebook page this week. Comment on there, and if you get all five answers correct. Uh, you'll get a chance at an awesome prize pack put together by Rich France himself and uh, maybe even a little special gift in there from Rich personally. Who knows? Uh, so t- take a swing at it, comment on the Facebook page, and see if you can get them all right on the original post. Gary, thank you so much for Gary Did You Know. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, you guys. Rich, see you down the road, bud. You got it. We'll see you, Gary. All right, bye. Well, Zach, it's time for our final interview of the evening. And, uh, you know, we had some fun. We met this gentleman before, and we were part. Of, both of us were part of the Ethanol Tours. But, uh he made some national news today. Boy, the internet really caught onto this one. Jack, let us know who we're talking to. Yeah, this is the guy who was formerly known as the promoter of Gas City, uh, I-69 Speedway, came in and kind of really gave that place a second chance, and now uh, he's making some moves that we're going to talk about coming up. Uh, it's our pleasure to welcome onto the program Jerry Gappins. Welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Well, thank you very much for having me on. It's my pleasure. Man, uh, I want to start with what you've done recently. Obviously, you have a history uh, with Speedway Motorsports and NASCAR and New Hampshire and all that. I think folks are are familiar with your name and what you were able to do in your general manager roles there. Uh, But more locally, uh, you were described to me today as the best thing that ever happened to Gas City I-69 Speedway. Uh, I, w- I want you to talk about your tenure there a little bit and, and kind of your... So, so you inter- you interviewed my mom, huh? Well, no, actually, honest to God, it was, it was you know, a huge... One of our guys uh, is a huge sprint car fan. Uh, it, it, one of our contributors follows sprint cars all across the, the nation, and those were his words, that Jerry was one of the best things that happened to Gas City. And, and I believe that, too. There was a lot of talk that Gas City was going to be one of those lost speedways and then all of a sudden something happens, and now it's back on the map. Talk about your tenure there. Well, I appreciate it. You know, um, and Eldora plays a part of that because uh, Roger Slack, the general manager at, at Eldora, um, he and I worked together at uh, at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and um, and I I was in Charlotte, and Roger uh, reached out to me and said, hey, why don't you come up and watch the Kings Royal? and stay over for the NASCAR truck race. And the Kings Royal was, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the truck race was on Wednesday night. And so I came up from Charlotte, and I hadn't seen the place since Tony had uh, had uh, bought it and, and obviously put uh, money in it and stuff. But when I went up there, I, I watched the Kings Royal, uh, and I was amazed. I mean, the place was jam-packed with people, you know, nearly 30,000 people on the grounds there. And then I drove over to Indiana to visit my mom, um, who lives near Kokomo, and uh, and I thought, well, see, mom, spend a couple of days there, and then I'll go back to Eldora on Wednesday for the truck race. So on my way, I stopped at Gas City, and I'm one of those guys. If I see a sign on an interstate, a speedway this way, and I haven't seen it, I'll, I'll pull over and <laughs> and look at it, you know, even if there's no race going on, just to check it out. And I so love that's that. what I did with Gas City. I actually had to 
kind of crawl under the gate and, and I walked up there and I <laughs> yeah. thought, Wait a minute. you know, you broke in, you broke into this place. This is yeah, your first time in, at the yeah, property. Yeah. <laughs> so I tried to, uh, I just wanted to check it out cause I hadn't seen it in like 30 years. My dad and I stopped there and it had just opened and, um, and, and I thought, man, it's been basically dormant. It, it looks like a too good of a place to be dormant. And, uh, and I thought, well, that's good. And I went on and visited mom and then I came, um, I came back to Eldora and, and when the NASCAR truck series was, was there uh, for their big night, they, they are about three quarter capacity. It was a, yeah. quite a considerable amount less than what the Kings Royal world of outlaws race was. And I thought, man, in all my years in NASCAR, I never, ever thought a sprint car race would outdraw uh, one of the three top touring national um, touring divisions of NASCAR. And so when I drove back to Charlotte from Eldora, I got to thinking about it and I thought, you know, I, NASCAR was having a real downturn in attendance at the time. TV ratings were off. And I thought, well, it looks like people are migrating back to grassroots racing. And so, I don't know, I thought about it. And and, um, and make a long story short, I ended up making contact. I had to call the mayor of Gas City to find out who owned it. And there's a guy named Jack Heimlich, and they hooked us up. And and, um, and Jack and I got together and signed a lease and uh, went in there. And, and um, you know, we... Uh, we were able to make a difference. I, um, I have a passion for it, but it, there are a lot of great people that chipped in and, and helped. Uh, it's a great team that, that helps us run it and stuff. And the first year uh, was uh, was hard uh, trying to get it back up and going, get people used to coming there. Second year was better. And then the last two years have been really good. And um, and we've had tremendous support from fans and from race teams and, and, um, and the sponsorship stuff has picked up. And so, I feel proud that we we got it back on the map, and and uh, and that's why it was so important um, to make sure we had a transition to where that could, could keep going, and and having Larry um, Bose come on and agree to promote it this summer um, was certainly uh, welcome news for me, and something we'd worked on you know over the weekend here and got it done. Jerry, what do you think were were some some of the key points that you had? the improvements that you had to make when, you know, during your tenure at Gas City, obviously once you, um, you know, you sign your name on the dotted line, you have a hundred keyboard warriors telling you how to run a racetrack. Um, <laughs> how, 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 what were some of the, the key improvements you made that you, that you think elevated Gas City I-69 Speedway? Well, a couple things. One is we, you know, we, we spruced up the place and, and uh, cleaned it up and painted the grandstands and anything that wasn't moving. And then, more importantly, just um, really getting the word out, doing marketing. Uh, I, I spent a lot of money on advertising that first year to promote it and get people out. And then um, uh, the other aspect of it, uh, having good mentors in Charlotte during my time with uh, Speedway Motorsports under Humpy Wheeler and, and Bruden Smith, um, we I tried to make it a family-oriented entertainment, you know, and, and we would do some fun things for intermission such as, um, putting people in the big bubble balls, uh, having soccer moms race around in passenger cars, uh, um, doing cash uh, coin scramble, candy scrambles for kids on a tarp on the front straightaway. So during the intermissions, really try to – my whole goal was to, you know, if, if, uh, if some kids came to the race and they'd never been there before, um, when they got in the car and headed home, would say, hey, that was fun. Can we do that again? And normally if uh, if – kids want to do something they can encourage their parents pretty quickly you know if it's something they all enjoy to do so I, I think it was a combination of those things and then the track itself is a real racy track I mean it's a it's a neat little quarter mile bull ring and 
uh, it's got really good clay on it, and um, and it uh, and and all the different divisions that we've had race there, especially in the last four years, uh, uh, put on a great racing entertainment for the fans. So it's a combination. If you're a hardcore fan, uh, it 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 uh, satisfies their appetite for good uh, competitive racing, and then if you're a, a kind of a casual fan or somebody that's not necessarily a fan of racing but want want to see entertainment. Um, it, it was still fun for them to come and, and be part of it. So I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here and say, okay, so that's what you had to do for a racetrack that was uh, dormant when you when it was gift-wrapped to you. Uh, and now we look at Eldora, a place that is, is probably one of the most recognizable, if not overall racetracks, for sure, dirt tracks in the country, if not in the world. You've got Knoxville and you've got Eldora. Um, this True. this place has a history that allows it to stand on itself. But you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call an apple an apple. There's mixed reviews on 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 the on who you're replacing. So, what's the goal for you now? What are you bringing to the table? Hopefully, for Eldora as you move forward. Well, uh, you know, Roger did a great job, and I worked, as I said, with Roger there in Charlotte. And uh, Roger is a brilliant guy. I mean, he 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 uh, he he was kind of a, uh, an adopted son of Humpy Wheeler. I mean, they were close, and and Humpy took him under his arm. He was an intern um, out of Canada that would come down, and he was he was really a flagman back in those days, you know. And and so he learned a lot under Humpy. So he. He had a good feel for that when Tony got him to come and, and uh, leave Charlotte and come up there and run that. And um, and so, you know, Roger uh, did a really good job. So it's kind of like when uh, Roger got that job, uh, I remember Humphrey saying, how how do you out Earl Earl, you know, meaning Earl Baldus, because he was the grand showman, you know, of everything. And and now it's a similar thing. How, how do I uh, uh, do some of the great things that Roger's done or try to build on him? And, but I think the experience part of it is coming from Speedway Motorsports, and I've been blessed with good mentors through the years. I worked for Chris Economaki at National Speed Sport News right out of college, and then uh, having worked at Charlotte with uh, you know direct supervision from Humpy, and then um, uh, a certain extension of that up to Bruton, and then when Bruton bought New Hampshire and he moved me from Charlotte up there, then direct the direct the mentoring from from Bruton and Humpy and Bruton. Both the people don't realize this, but they both had extensive short track backgrounds and a appreciation for, you know, running a short track and old fairgrounds days. And when it was hard to, you had to go out and really roll up your sleeves and promote. But I think with Eldora, the difference here now from gas city is that big event feel that you had in NASCAR. I, I remember when I got up there and if you look at the website at, uh, at Eldora, you'll see um, the camping and everything. It, it has that feel of a NASCAR race of, you know, 20 years ago, it's a happening. And it's an event, and I think um, I think that's what we build on there. And the the other part of it is um, I'm I'm a outgoing person. I, I mean I'm ex- you know I I enjoy being around people, and I and I think uh, having experience with Charlotte uh, and, and New Hampshire of, of managing a, a, a team of people and providing leadership, and uh, that's something I think I bring to the table there for the staff. That, you know they got about eight full time people and. And um, I told him today on a Zoom call where we got introduced to one another, I felt like, um, you know, my job as a, as a leader of the facility is to give them the tools for them to be very successful in their areas of, of the operation. And, uh, and I think that's something my experience will bring to that. And I'm very hands-on. I mean, I'm, I'm visible. Uh, I don't micromanage, but I, I uh, uh, as people tell you that come to Gas City, I, I was out front. I'm not, I was 
I wasn't, and I don't knock promoters that do this, but I wasn't a stay up in the tower kind of guy. I, I wanted to intermingle with fans. I, I'd pick up trash. Uh, I'd go to the pit area. You'd listen to somebody complain about a call or something. And uh, I, I would uh, help pitch in and do some hot dogs, what, whatever it took. I just kind of floated around the facility and just make sure all aspects of it were running right and just being hands-on and, and being visible. And, and um, I think that was a part of the success there. And I always made sure every night after the races at Gas City that I stood at the front gate and, and thanked people for coming. And, uh, and, and so it, it kind of became uh, – uh, where it's a first name basis, you know, yeah. people, Hey, Jerry, great show or whatever. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, Eldora, I mean, so, so, you know, who was a better showman than Humpy Wheeler in the history of motorsports with the pre-race shows and some of those things. And, um, and now I tell you, I, I know Tony was very impressed with what happened out at the Coliseum when NASCAR did the Bush clash out there, um, with having the various elements of entertainment plus the racing, because they were in a market where it wasn't going to necessarily a lot of race fans per se, hardcore race fans. It was people wanting entertainment. And I think that's kind of uh, where, where you're going with the, with this big event stuff. They want to be entertained. Hey, I was at a race and entertainment broke out. And so I think you could possibly see some more of those things um, at Eldora with uh, some other things to yeah, help entertain them, whether that's concerts or um, I know um, with uh, the facility itself to, uh, make sure the fan amenities are good and, and, um, and there's, you're kind of out there in uh, the middle of nowhere. So you got a captive audience. So, so keep them busy, keep them entertained. And, uh, and, um, and at the end of the day, uh, uh, give them a, a great race uh, product to see and, and go home happy and, and uh, renew the tickets and come back. Well, and it's interesting you bring this up. So, and, and I'm just going to dive in here a little bit to what we're doing, you know, working with Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway and trying to, you know, figure out how people come to the racetrack. What are they coming for? And the big debate, right, Jerry, is we're at a racetrack. What do you think they're here for? They're here to watch a race. And then there's the argument on the other side of things, and, and this has been interesting to hear with uh, Bob Sargent with Track Enterprises and that sort of stuff say, they're here to be entertained. We have to figure out how to entertain them. And uh, the right. race the race is just one of those things. That's hard for some people, me included, uh, as, a, as a guy who used to race and as a guy who has always just gone to the racetrack to watch a race. Man, Jerry, that's a hard thing to comprehend sometimes, that people might be there for more than just what's happening on that half-mile dirt oval. Right. And, and I got criticized by a local fellow promoter that people don't want to come and see people in knocker balls and, you know, streetcar race and stuff that they come to watch racing. And I said, well, I'm going to disagree with you. And I said, I respect you, but I, I don't feel that's the case. And, uh, and I said, uh, and I, I hope, uh, I hope you'll see it that way someday. And, um, you know, it's just like there in Nashville, I mean, with SMI coming in and they're going to make great uh, improvements to that facility and they're going to, have amenities that people have never experienced at, at that venue. And the great thing about it, it's got a legacy. It's got history. So the hardcore race fans remember that and, and yearn for that. But then it's going to be nice enough that uh, you can bring your family and it's going to be a great atmosphere um, uh, for that aspect of it. And a good example is literally right across the road from it is the soccer stadium. And, you know, soccer's taken off the last several years here uh, in the United States. It, it used to not be a very prominent sport. And because um, we were a football country and uh, and I think soccer stadiums, same kind of thing. It, um, you're going into nice venues and, and they're uh, they're entertaining you. There's no downtime, um, you know, uh, during when there's a stop and play. 
Uh, they've got music going. They've got giveaways going. And you're seeing a lot of that in stick and ball sports. And I think that's the uh, the case, um, uh, what you're going to see at Nashville. And I think uh, promoters around the country are going to have to take a harder um, look at that and uh, and 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 make sure they implement that in their programs. And you get, it's a balance act because you got to take care of the racers and, and make them feel good about being there and give them plenty of track time. Um, but you also, uh, you, and you got to do it in a timely fashion. I know my goal at Gas City was that we started at 7.30, and I wanted to be done by 10.30, 10.45 on race nights and get people out of there just about the same length as a football game or a, uh, um, a baseball game or what have you because the tension, the tension span's only so long, and uh, you, you want them uh, leaving. And I always, you know, I always told our staff if, if people are carrying out their kids and they're sleeping and they have to carry them out, then we didn't do our job that night. We want the kids, you know, bouncing out of there with the parents and, and being happy about, uh, you know, what they just saw and got to do. Well, Jerry, you, you th- this big announcement today and, and you don't get a whole lot of time to revel in it, right? Um, because you no. got, your, <laughs> you got your first big show, uh, next Tuesday, seven, eight days away right. now, uh, Castrol flow, flow racing night in America, $22,000 plus, for the late models, you're going to have modifieds and street stocks there. Talk about that event. Well, first of all, I'm not used to giving that kind of money away. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the change for me uh, in the event. I, you know, in fact, that uh, the million dollar to win race uh, on June 8th there, I mean, uh, that uh, that's the second largest first place uh, payoff in, in, in motorsports, uh, right behind the Indy 500. Um, Daytona NASCAR has restructured their purses to where – even Daytona only, and I say only, but it, it, it pays around 900,000 in between 900,000 and 975,000 for the 500. And, um, in the old days, you know, the, that thing would pay a couple million. I think it got up to, to win, but certainly over a million, but now they they're doing more with the franchises and the team. So they're spreading the money out in different avenues as opposed to just the purse payout. And, and so with this million to win and to be able to do that on a short track and on dirt, um, you know, it, it's right behind Indy as far as the top payday. And, and if you want to calculate it uh, by, and I haven't done the figures yet, but the, the payout per mile is uh, probably by far the richest, you, you know, they're certainly not going to race 500 miles on June 8th, but, but we, you know, I, uh, I did a lot of stuff uh, remotely today, uh, tomorrow, my wife and I travel over to um, to Eldora, and I'll meet the staff in in person and and get a tour of the facility and kind of um, get a lay of the land, so to speak. And and um, and then uh, uh, we're you know we're we're promoting for next Tuesday, and then um, and then USAC and World Outballs are in there on the May sixth and seventh, and then Johnny Appleseed, and then you got the million. So uh, so we'll uh, it'll be kind of like drinking water from a fire hose for uh, the next few weeks. And I also uh, have you know, told Jack Heimlich and, and, and Larry, I, I would be helpful in all aspects that I could possibly be in helping make his transition good into Gas City and, and connecting him with the team in place there and, and um, kind of showing him um, how we did things and, 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 and the contacts and everything he needs to be successful in, in picking up the promotional reins there. And I imagine in June, your hand's going to probably cap you know, start cramping up and we're going to have to have some oxygen on hand for you to sign that million dollar check. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. No, but that, uh, that'll be fun. And, uh, you know, in Charlotte, we used to do, we bring Brinks trucks in and, uh, 
And, uh, and I, I remember having guards and stuff and having a million dollars, uh, 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 sitting out there and it would make our CFO pretty nervous, but, uh, <laughs> uh, we used to do fun things like that. And you think about the old days, uh, in promotion that, uh, you know, we did a, a lot of those, uh, those kind of things. And so I'm, I'm anxious to put the experience. I, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate to have the mentors that I've had in, in my life and, and, uh, been blessed. And, uh, the good Lord has, has certainly blessed me with this opportunity. I, when uh, Tony reached out and called me out of the blue a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago and talked about this poss- possibility, I realized, hey, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, and I wasn't looking to make a change or do anything. Um, but uh, but that phone call is a is a game changer, and and going to Eldor is going to be a game changer. So I, I I look forward to doing all those things and seeing how um, we can biggie size what what's already big. I, when I called you earlier today to schedule the interview, Jerry, you know, I, I asked you about leaving Gas City, and I'll ask you again. That place seemed to be a passion for you, uh, and and you know, it was a big change from kind of what you had been doing. But you you use the analogy of a college uh, sports coach getting a call from from you know maybe they're coaching D two, and then they get a call from D one, and uh, I thought that was a great picture that you painted there about. You know, it's not easy, but it's the it's what makes sense for you right now. No, it does, and and I, I do feel that way. Uh, you know, when the NCAA tournament just completed, you know, St. Peter's made a great run through there, and that coach nobody knew where St. Peter's was or who the coach was. And then after he gets to the Elite Eight, all of a sudden people are figuring it out. And uh, within a few days after uh, uh, after the season ended for them, I mean. Right there in state with Seton Hall, they they offered him a job, and and as much as he loved those players that he recruited and loved the job he had there at St. Peter's, he realized he had to he had an opportunity to step up and and go, like like you said, truly be in Division One at a uh, at a Big East program and a you know a major conference and a major platform and and do it. And so um, you know this is how I plan on closing out my uh, my professional career is right there at Eldora and. And I'm, I feel very fortunate, you know, to have uh, have been at Charlotte and then up to New Hampshire and then, um, you know, being out of it for about two years and then, uh, you know, going ahead and, and, and having the opportunity to lease and, and run Gap City and now go to Eldora. And I, I tell people, I, you know, running a short track, it, it's very humbling because uh, I, I've been I've done everything there. I mean, I've, I've cleaned the toilets and, and uh, pressure washed the bathroom floors and um, and, um, you know, run a water truck on a hundred degree night, uh, you know, and get the track prepped and ready for Friday, uh, to, you know, uh, stopping at Sam's club and picking up, uh, items we need for the concession stand and, and, yeah. and hauling those in and helping stocks. So, um, it's made me a better, it's made me a better person from a standpoint of, of appreciating, um, the level of, of it takes everybody, um, pulling uh, to get the tent, you know, the tent poles in and get that tent upright and, uh, and to make it, make it work. And, and, um, so I, I think, um, uh, I'm better prepared and, and probably, uh, as you get older, hopefully you get a little bit wiser, but I, I certainly feel better prepared to, uh, um, uh, to embrace this, uh, this, uh, this role and, and to, uh, be a good model and a role model and, and encourage the staff there and, and, uh, and, and, um, you know, just, kind of um really uh, just uh, appreciate it more and 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 work hard at it. I, I certainly have a passion for it dirt's been in my blood since i was uh, a kid and my dad taking me to races and uh, and uh, that that's still there and 
um, I just really look forward to, you know, uh, figuring out what I don't know yet there and, and then get that figured out and then trying to implement uh, some of the ideas that, that I might have and, and certainly look forward. I know Tony's got an aggressive plan for some capital improvements there uh, to make things better for the fans and, and just continue to build on what he and Roger have done there together and, and, uh, and go from there. You know, I think the only thing uh, from, from a pair of University of Michigan fans, I think the only thing I can find here that's a problem is you're going to be a Buckeye now. Uh, and uh, aside from that, Jerry, it looks like it's all going to be all right. <laughs> it is. And, you know, and I, 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 was, I grew up in Indiana, so I was a big guy. I'm still a big IU fan. And uh, a couple of those people are, are Buckeyes. They're on staff. So we're going to have to uh, have some kind of truce uh, right off the bat there. And those, those Ohio State fans, they're ruthless. They are. Michigan guys. I mean, they call that school from the north. They won't even call you Michigan. It's school I know. from the north. And, uh, and I was glad to see Jim Harbaugh do well this year and, and, uh, and, and get the, his team in the playoffs there. I, I really thought he brought a breath of fresh air to Michigan coming from the professional ranks and, 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 and doing that. And I can relate to that from going from Speedway Motorsports to short track and then um, and now getting an opportunity to go Caldora. But I, I – I, I used to not root so much for Michigan, but I, I had uh, this year, and I was pulling for, for Hall Ball to bring you back a national championship there. So. Man, well, uh, anyhow, <laughs> we'll lick that wound and move on. Uh, Jerry, man, I do want to say sincerely, thank you so much for uh, making some time for us. I'm sure your phone's been blowing up all day, uh, and I do appreciate yeah. you making some time to chat with us. And best of luck uh, with everything going on at Eldora, and we're looking forward to seeing what Larry can do at uh, Gas City. I know you are too, so I uh, really do appreciate no, it. No, I am, and – and I think both places are going to be in good hands and, and, uh, and I'd be remiss as a promoter, you know, go to Eldor.com and, uh, make plans to, to, to attend one of our big events coming up this year, the full schedules there and ticket information and, uh, camping information and come out and, uh, and experience the big E. All right. That's yeah, right. Zach, and Zach and I together haven't been down there yet. So we're going to try and get down there and come and see you too. Jerry. Oh, I've, I've been individually. Well, Don't give us the wrong idea. We both I think us like, together. Oh uh, yeah, I know. We got to go down there and cover yeah. something for sure. <laughs> Cool. There you go. Well, well Jerry, you. always appreciate it, Jerry. Uh, what a what a what a career he's had, and intriguing to find out too. He plans on this being his last stop. So I didn't. I was thinking about asking him if there was another trip up the ladder in his career, but he's going to end it on uh, which Eldora is the top of the route, but grassroots racing for uh, Jerry Gappins, which I think is cool considering where he'd been. Yeah, I was going to ask him when the phone rings and smokes on the other end of the line. Do you have to tell him I'll get back with you, or do you just answer the question right away? <laughs> well, when I called him earlier to set it up, he said that their history together when he worked with SMI is, is was helped kind of formulate this deal. Uh, so that was uh, an intriguing part of everything. So good luck to Jerry, man. I hope it goes well. And I'd love to get a chance. Maybe next week we can try to pull Larry Boos on and talk to him about he, – he's got some things to juggle down there in central Indiana right now. You think he has time for us? <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. If he does, he'll probably be on a grader somewhere. I guarantee you that. Right. Um, it's time to look ahead, Rich, to the upcoming calendar. And guess what? For the first time in a long time, she's full. <laughs> the upcoming yeah, calendar is busy. Well, one, we don't have to get too heavy into it. We discussed it earlier, Zach. Uh, Great Lakes Super Sprints opening night at I-96 Speedway. Uh, IMCA Mod Street Stock Cyber Stocks also in action on Friday night. Grandstands open at 5 p.m., time trials at 7 p.m., racing will follow that. Yeah, and then how about our friends? Uh, for me, it's to the north. For you, it's kind of to the uh, west just a little bit. In Mason, Corrigan Oil Speedway, ready to go for Friday night. The 
hashtag Unleash 2022 opening night. How about this? 4,000 big ones for the northsidetowing.net Outlaw Super Late Models. They'll go 50 rotations around the tight little bull ring known as Corrigan Oil Speedway. Also, Modifieds on hand, they'll go 50 laps for $1,500. And then Pro Late Model Street Stocks, Outlaw Front Wheel Drives, and Pony Stocks in action. Gates open at 5, racing at 7 at Corrigan Oil Speedway. And Winston gets to try their second night after getting it in. Uh, we Oh, we forgot to give a shout-out to Travis Stemmler picking up his first win of the season last Friday night. Uh, at Winston Speedway, uh, I, I did you see the video of that race? Online? I did not. What a race! He the couple early cautions, he just couldn't get out to the front. But once he got out front, it was like where'd the four go? <laughs> he was gone. He was gone. All right. What a race! Cool. So it looks like that. It looks like that. Uh, that four machine is ready for the 2022 season. Um, I don't know if he'll be back, but late models, IMCA mods, Pro Late Street Stock Cybers, Warriors, Young Guns, and Mini Weddies all back in action at Winston. Uh, gates open at 5, racing at 7.45 on Friday. And then on Saturday, we move on to uh, a pretty pavement-heavy Saturday. Berlin Raceway has their icebreaker event scheduled for Saturday. We'll see super late models, limited late models, sportsmen, and four-cylinders. The super late models, by the way, will go 75 laps for a, as Rich would like to say, cool $5,000 to win. Gates open at 2, racing at 4 at Berlin on Saturday. And... Uh and Brock told us about this, that Brock Gannis is going to be at this event at Kalamazoo Speedway. It's their Street Stock Special, Ziegler's Street Stock Special, uh, National Compact Touring Series, and the Zoo Stocks will all be in action on Saturday at Kalamazoo. Uh, gates open at 1 p.m., racing at 6 p.m. out in Kalamazoo. And then we also previewed this one a little bit as well. Crystal Motor Speedway will have their season opener. They did get some testing in uh, over the weekend, so they are ready to go. The Great Lakes Super Sprints, of course, will be there for their second event of the season. Pro Stocks, Pro Trucks, IMCA Modified, Street Stocks, Flynn Stocks, and Mini Wedges all in action. That's a traditional 4 p.m. gate open, 7.30 green flag at Crystal Motor Speedway. I love it, Rich. I love it. We got a full calendar in Michigan this weekend. It's awesome, Zach, and we almost made an hour show again, maybe. And no. not to be forgot, <laughs> uh, not to be forgot, our friends with Champion Racing Association and Track Enterprises will be at work on Sunday. If you're looking for something to do, make the uh, <clears throat> pleasant drive down I-69 to uh, Salem Speedway, and actually, once you get to Indianapolis, it becomes uh, 65. So. Head on down to Salem, darn near Kentucky, as I like to say it. Uh, it's going to be a great show, though. That place has so much character in it. Those cars move around. You remember what happened during last year's opener there? Lap one, pro late models, big drama. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Arca CRA Super Series, JEG CRA All-Stars Tour in action Sunday at Salem Speedway. Details available at cra-racing.com. As I've always said before, Zach, we're now to the point where we're getting options of That's where right. you want to go. <laughs> That's right. And as long as you have options, we don't, like like Zach always says, he doesn't care where you go. Just put your backside, track side, wherever you want to go. It doesn't matter. But you have events you can go racing this weekend. And be sure to hit that follow notification on the Horsepower Happenings Facebook page because as these options become available, we're going to be at a couple of different places giving you some updates on what's going on as well on the Facebook page for Horsepower Happenings. That's going to do it for tonight. What a show. Thanks so much to Brock Gannis. Thanks so much to uh, Jerry Gappins. Thanks to Gary Lindahl as well for being a part of Gary Did You Know. Don't forget to look for the graphic this week on social media. Get them all right. You win a prize pack. And, uh, of course, on behalf of Rich Trance, my co-host, Scott Menler, who pays the bills, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings. We'll see you at a racetrack this weekend.
You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.